You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. As always on a Wednesday, it's Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, who's a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment. Wayne, it's a quiet time of year, isn't it? I mean, you're one of the few people that's not on holiday at the moment. Yeah, it looks like it. I must say the market also seems, I suppose, a little bit subdued today as well. It's only down slightly, but yeah, it does seem a bit a bit quiet. There's certainly not much company news coming out you know, over the last couple of days, that's for sure. There's a couple of EOH announcements here and there, and there's been a bounce back in the gold uh, price and the gold shares after a fairly sharp sell-off, which is probably one of the themes, actually, uh, Wayne. It's platinum and golds that have been doing so well. And I know we spoke about this last week or the previous week, but and it's probably not one of your big portfolio holdings. No. You can't ignore it because it is a, an inexecrable, in, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, I can't think of that. But anyway, it's, it has its own momentum at the moment. Yes, it certainly does. And it seems to be fueled a little, little bit by Donald Trump and trade wars mm. and tensions in the Gulf and all of these things. But gold is an incredibly difficult <laughs> asset class to call. Yes. And to be honest, we don't even try and call it. We we just don't own a gold share, which other than a few little instances, about three instances in the last 20 years, it's been right to own gold shares. I mean, they have not been a good performer at all on the share market. So, you know, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world not to own a gold share, given what the performance of the underlying shares has been for a sustained time period. And if you take out the weakness of the RAND in the gold price, in the RAND gold price, yes. gold price has done nothing. It hasn't kept up with anything over literally almost decades. And I can remember in the early 80s, it hit, eight, hit, hit, hit $800. Yes. You know, what's it now? $1,400. Yeah, it's actually fourteen twenty-five. it was this morning. I'm just yeah. going to look at it now. But the point is that there's a couple of people that I know that are not in the know, but they certainly have made a fortune out of financial services and investing in markets. They love the fact that they've got gold bars in Swiss banks or Swiss vaults. And it's something that I haven't known for many, many years. And it's almost as though they're saying that we, you, you can't take these gold bars away from me. This is, this is something that is tangible. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a movement. And you obviously don't share that movement. No, I clearly don't share in that movement. Look, it is, I suppose, at the end of the day, the ultimate store of wealth. Right. In theory, you know, nowadays, you can take a dollar anywhere in the world that you'll get value for it. Someone will trade something for you for a US dollar anywhere in the world. Well said. Now, maybe it falls away. Maybe that in 20 years' time, 100 years' time, that's no longer the case. But you do know if you take gold anywhere in the world, someone will trade with you. So I suppose it is at the end of the day, if we descend back into the dark ages, mm-hmm. gold is one of the ultimate stores of wealth. But yeah, it hasn't been good as an investment for forever. You know, literally forever. Is there no chance that you could say that maybe 5 to 10% of a portfolio with someone who is who wants to take on risk could have gold in his or her portfolio, whether it be an ETF, whether it be a futures contract, whether it be a gold bar, whether it be a South African gold equity. Is there not a place for it in a portfolio? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. Certainly up until about 10 years ago, 
virtually all institutional portfolios would have 2% in gold. It was never 5 or 10%. It was not as high as that as what I can, can remember. But nowadays, to find a gold share in an institutional portfolio is most unusual. Platinum is very different. Platinum is completely different animal. I mean, platinum is a viable industrial metal. You know, I wouldn't buy the gold. I wouldn't buy the platinum shares now. I wish I bought the platinum shares in October. I don't know, October, whenever. But I wouldn't buy them now. But that's just a judgment on the valuation of the shares. It's not a. It's not an indictment that platinum hasn't got a place in any portfolio. It is risky. I mean, we all know that. You know, they were staring down the barrel of insolvency not that long ago. I mean, all the all the platinum companies except Anglo Plats were literally almost on the brink of insolvency. Yes. And they were rescued by the palladium price in, in, and, and rhodium, but mainly palladium price. Now, that can fall away tomorrow again. You know, the auto catalysts have just got to change the, the factory setup to use platinum and not palladium. But the forget about the shorter term now. The longer term outlook for platinum and palladium is actually quite positive. You know, there is a structural shortage of the metal. You don't know what the Russian stockpiles are. You just, you've never known that, but you do know they're much smaller than what they used to be. And with all the environmental legislation that's actually on the cards right now and more that's coming, because that's not going to stop, there will be continued demand for platinum. So platinum and palladium, well, all, all, all the PGMs, you know, there is a proper future for these. So it's just a question of the share price and do you want to take the risk of owning it? So it's a little bit like owning Kumba. You know, not that long ago, Kumba was 25 rand a share. It's now 500 rand a share. You know, the, the, the iron ore price, which is currently 120, is going to go back to 40 and the Kumba share price will probably go below 100 again. So these, let's call it these single commodity companies are riskier than other companies. And you must be aware of that, but that still doesn't detract from any, um, you know, investment merit of owning them because sometimes if you get it right, you can make a fortune. I mean, you can chat to Pitfull Unit regarding capital management. Yes. You know, he owned the platinum shares for donkey's years and was totally and utterly caned, but he eventually got the payoff. What do you do, actually, on that note? I'm speaking to a platinum, a platinum investor tomorrow. And it's going to be fascinating. But what do you do when you sit there and when you're down in the dumps when Impala Platinum is 15, 16 rand a share, you have a threat of losing your job. And yes. the next six months, Literally it's the next seven, months 70 to 75 rand per share yes. and you are a master of the universe. What do you do? You don't, do you, don't you trade these things? So how does it work in the asset management look, industry? It's a difficult one to trade it. Look, in, in, inevitably... Let's take Impala. It went down to 15 bucks or 20 rand. Yes. You probably bought it at 40. Maybe even bought it at 50 because it looks cheap and then it goes all the way down. Yeah. Normally, if you are, if you stick to your guns, you don't sell it at that low price because you know it will bounce and will come up and will revive at some stage. So when these shares do come up again and you, as you said, master of the universe, unfortunately, half your clients have left you already because of bad performance. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah, so then you hope some come back and you get some new clients on your good performance. But ultimately, you know, and I often sit and wrestle with this decision as an institutional manager of pension fund, of retirement money. Yes. Is it your job to take 
those big positions and those big bets. Because in other words, is it your job to show your clients, and I'm exaggerating now, but I'm not far off the truth, is it your job to show the clients four years of quite material underperformance and then one year you shoot the lights out and you recoup all of those losses over the last four years and maybe even a little bit more. You know, as a re- if you're managing retirement money, is that what your client wants? Because remember, you had quite a few clients who needed that money after year four. You couldn't wait for year five. So I often sit and think... So redemptions, is in it, other words. Yeah. Is it, is it the right thing to take big, risky positions in your portfolio? Even if you're right. Let's assume you're right on your risky position. Is it the right thing to do for your clients? In other words, your 10-year performance is actually quite good. But you got all 10 years performance in two of those 10 years and the other eight you underperformed. So what you're saying is a pension fund manager, a pension fund manager should not be in really, really volatile cyclical stocks like gold and platinum stocks. Is that what you're saying? And building and and construction. I mean, is it our job to give that sort of return profile to the client? You know, sometimes I'm not sure it is. It's a that's difficult what, one. That's what you've got to work out. What are you doing at the moment? You, you said the word wrestle. You wrestle with these problems. What are you wrestling with at the moment, Wayne? What, what, we, what we're actually wrestling with is domestic South African shares are cheap. And I, I, don't, I don't think you'll find anyone who's going to dispute that statement, no matter whether they hold them or not. Tell me how they're, so domestic, they're, tell me how they're cheap. Give me the semantics. Give me the metrics that you use to say that the South African stocks are cheap. Just a, a brief example. Yeah, just ShopRite. ShopRite hasn't traded at this PE since 2008, and it is significantly below its long-term average. What is the PE at the moment? They're the, the 14, 15, somewhere around there. Okay. So the, the story is it's significantly below its long-term average because the South African growth rate is significantly below its long-term average. Okay. So therefore, if you buy ShopRite at these levels, you're inherently saying – the future is going to be better than the immediate last four, five, eight years, whatever time period you want to use. You know, with the South African economy yes. will get better than what it has been. If it doesn't, shop will stay cheap. Might even get cheaper. Probably will get cheaper. So that's the dilemma. That's what we're wrestling with now. Because when you think about everything, there is a new cabinet. Yeah. Okay. It's not the best. You know, with all the deputy ministers, and it maybe wasn't trimmed down as much as what you would have liked it to be. But there are, we hope, far more competent and honest people in cabinet positions now than what we had previously. So we hope that. It looks like it is, but we hope that that is the case. You know, we've got a new president who's stating quite clearly that he's going to act against corruption. He's going to sort out all these things. He's going to get the SOEs running efficiently. He's... Let's say he's promising a new dawn for want of a better description. He's been in the now, job for believe, 18 months, Wayne. He's not that yeah, new. He's 18 that months. But as I said, you can believe that or not, whether you want to or not. Look, it's a big ship to turn around, eh? It's a big ship. And in that 18 months, you know, at least, I don't know how long, six months, eight months was taken up by an election. But let's put that, you can believe that or not, okay? That's, that's, your, that's your decision to make whether you think that that's a correct statement or not. Right. Then you got Donald Trump now has declared a bit of a truce on the trade wars, so that's good news. Hmm. Um, global interest rates are falling, and our domestic interest rates are going to be cut in the very near future. So that's all 
a positive. Commodity prices are holding up. Platinum's gone up tremendously. Iron ore's gone up tremendously. Those are two of our big exports. So this is all good. The RAND's holding relatively steady. What's at 14.10? You know, why haven't these shares gone up? But they have gone up. Why haven't they gone up more? Because they're cheap. The environment seems to be turning for the positive. There doesn't seem to be any major new negative. I mean, you can also add in that global interest rates are going to fall. Why, why aren't these shares up more? So that's what we're actually dealing with now. They are up. I mean, as far as you lost money on them. But, you know, just my experience, and I certainly would have thought they would be up more than what they have actually got. You talked about ShopRite, and it's obviously part of your portfolio is you're keen on it. But would you, yeah. if you, if you had three choices... Okay, you've got ShopRite on the JSC Securities Exchange. You've got Tesco in the United Kingdom, which serves 45 million customers per week in the United mm. Kingdom. 45 million, 25% of all the groceries that English people or British people buy are attributable to Tesco. Or you've got Walmart in the United States. If you had the choice, would it be Walmart, Tesco or ShopRite? Well, I think ShopRite's the cheapest one, so surprising enough, I think it would be ShopRite, but that's just because of, let's call it hopefully a temporary undervaluation of ShopRite. But over longer term, ignoring Brexit and hoping that that all works out right, you probably want one of the global exposures. Because okay. over time, you know, no matter how optimistic I am about South Africa, and sometimes I'm not, sometimes I'm often accused of being far too optimistic. <laughs> I mean... Overseas economic prospects over the longer term are better than South African economic prospects over the longer term. The only reason why we I'm holding, why I'm promoting South African shares now is I think there's a temporary underperformance of our economy and it can bounce back from dismal levels and that the shares are at a, an undervaluation point and that there will be quite a bit of money to make. So let's say tomorrow. Yes. Our, our economic growth rate goes from half a percent to two percent, and tomorrow ShopRite goes up twenty or thirty percent. Look, two two percent is actually reasonably achievable. It's three percent and four percent. That's virtually impossible, to be honest. Mm. Now, two or three percent is reasonably achievable, not forever, but for a bounce from this level, we can actually achieve it. Really, but let's just say that's our scenario. We're not saying whether it's going to happen or not. Right. Let's just say that's the scenario. That tomorrow. Economic growth rate goes to 2%. ShopRite and the banks and all the other South African orientated shares jumped 30%, 40%, and the PEs go back to their long-term averages. You know, then we are, eh? Mm. Then we'll look very seriously at buying global shares because, as I said, the longer-term economic prospects overseas, unfortunately, are better than the long-term economic prospects in South Africa. On that note, because... So over time, you would want a significant amount of, a significant proportion of your funds offshore. On that note, and because it's a quiet day, there's not much um, stock exchange news service news, and yeah. there's not many results coming out at the moment. Would you consider, as a proud South African, ever leaving this country? No, I'm, I'm too old now. Now, never mind uh, age. Never mind age. You're not too old, Wayne. I mean, you, you, you do yourself a disservice here. You're not too old. I'm 60. Yes, that's not too old. 60 uh, is the uh, it's 60 no, no, is the no, new no, 40. No. I think. I think. I think. I think. Um, certainly, in my case, if you think 60 is not too old, just think about what you thought of a 60-year-old person when you were 25. 60 is old, but let's put that aside. Let's let's not worry about that. 
look, there are many, many negatives about South Africa, but it is my country and I'm used to it. Yes. It's, 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 it's my, my, as I suppose, for want of a better word, a comfort zone. It's right. my comfort zone. I know what it's like. I know what to expect. It's not all bad news. It's, there is some good news. We live reasonably well. You can get what you want. You know, it seems very unfortunate to make a, an overall statement, something like, as long as you don't have to deal with the government department, you actually have a reasonably good life here. Of course You've got you have to, to look after your security. You, know, you have to, but I'm just saying, as long as you don't have to deal too often with the government department, you actually have a reasonably good life here. And obviously, you've got to look very carefully at your own personal security Precisely. and all of these things. But yeah, as, as I said, it, it's, it's my comfort comfort zone. Yeah, but you know, if you have a younger person and they in their I don't know early twenties, they've just finished university, go overseas, try it out, see what you think. You know, go live in your tiny little flat in London, <laughs> where you go to commute with a walk from your flat to the tube and then one tube to another tube and then one tube to another tube and then a bus. You know, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying go and try it out and make your own decision. Is it better or worse in South Africa? Are your prospects better or worse? You know, go try it out. Go try it out for five years. Go try it out as long as you want to and then make your own decision as to whether you want to move overseas or stay in South Africa, but I'm definitely staying. And the shrinking JSE, what do you make of that? Just the very final question, because this is an interesting expansion of our normal chats. Uh, the shrinking yeah. JSE and the low volumes that yeah. we've been look, talking look, about JSE, every single week. Yeah, the JSE, the moment we were reintegrated into the global environment, if you had to, if you had to abolish ex full exchange control tomorrow again, yeah. So full exchange, you can take your Anglo-American shares and sell them in London and put your money in a London bank account in pounds. No exchange control. The JSE will, I don't know the exact figure, but it will more or less halve on market capitalization because then you wouldn't need wow. the, the listing. Yeah, you can just trade in London via your stockbroker. That's no problem. You wouldn't need the listing. Yeah, a lot of these listings are only here because there's a South African share register where if you sell a share, you've got to deposit the money in rands in the South African bank. You can sell them in London, but you've got to deposit the money in rands in South Africa. So all your dual listed that are, let's call it historic, Richmond, uh, Naspers, Anglo-American, Billiton, the proportion of Anaza Bush, and those are the big ones. There are more. Yes. They're only yeah because the South African share base, share base is subject to exchange control and will be for a sustained time period. So in other words, the JSE was always on a bit of a losing streak there the moment we integrated into the world economy because other markets are better. There's more funds available. There's more, there's more, there's more clients. There's more investors. You know, that is just the way it is. You know, you might not like it, but that is clearly the way it is. Wayne, just very final question. I, I think it's my third final question that I'm putting to you now. It's another South African story of woe about going into the UK market. Uh, Trueworths, down another two yes. and two thirds percent today because of a report that they, they, can't pay, well. yeah, they, 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 they can't pay their debt on a subsidiary of theirs called, yes. called Office. 
This is, this is a terrible, terrible story. It's yet another story. It's, it hasn't received yes. such prominence in South Africa, but yes. it's a big story, I think. No, it's actually, it, it is a big story. Look, I think the circumstances are slightly different than Gourmet Kitchen Burger with uh, famous brands and a lot of others. I think the underlying company is not doing too badly. So this is not a new look or a Gourmet Kitchen Burger. It might not be doing too well, but they've clearly got a problem with debt restructuring. There's just too much of a bullet of debt coming up too soon that they might not be able to refinance. It's still, it's still very bad news that you can't actually refinance that debt and that you've got to go and chat to people cap in hand to get a restructuring. But the one difference between certainly Breit and certainly a lot of the um, medical companies and maybe even famous brands, etc., office is not that big in true words. In other words, they didn't bet right. the farm on it. You know, you can take you can take Woolies as well, even though it's an Australian thing, it's the same principle. And when you think about it, nowadays, you know, when we when we used to evaluate companies for quality, we looked at strength of balance sheet and management and history David and blah, blah, a whole range of other things. Now when we evaluate quality, we say any company that's made huge acquisitions in the last while and have made many acquisitions, specifically global acquisitions, we become very skeptical about those companies now, given the history of South African companies making big acquisitions offshore. Yes. So when you think about it, the only ones that were truly successful, put the mining shares aside for the moment because they've always been global. So the ones that were truly, truly successful, and this is going back forever, and it takes Sage and Donnie Gordon with Sun, with the, what do you call it, Sun Life in the UK, and going back forever. It was only... Uh, Bitvest and SA Breweries that were really successful in the big global expansion plans. I know I've left other smaller players out and I apologize for that. But the big players, only those two who were successful, and you can name a lot more than two that have been unsuccessful, a lot more. Yeah, And, uh, I and think maybe, maybe, maybe after 10 years, you can throw Investec into that pot of being successful in the global expansion. But it wasn't an easy path for them, but at least they're still there and they you know, they they seem to have got over a lot of their problems that they did have, but it hasn't been easy for an SA company operating overseas at all. Yeah, a little bit too cocky, I think. That's one of the things. And, uh, yes, they says, no, there's no question about that. Exactly. The pot of gold they saw. And uh, you know what the other thing is that someone said to me the other day, when a South African company comes and says, we're interested in buying your company or have, taking a stake in it, mm, yeah. they, they, they immediately add a few noughts to the, to, to the purchase see price. They coming. see, they us, see coming. us coming from a mile <laughs> off. They see us coming. Because normally we go overseas when – why do you go overseas? You normally go overseas when the rand's collapsing and you want to get non-rand earnings. Right. And you're desperate. My, you, your, your shareholders and investors are putting such pressure on you to get non-rand earnings because the rand's collapsing and the lights are going to go out in South Africa. You are under severe pressure, and that's when you normally pressurize. So you take late 1990s, early 2000s, Old Mutual went overseas. They lost fortune. Well, as we Scandia, all know, wasn't back it? Again. Yeah, Scandia, but also UK businesses, the USA business, the Bermuda business, they lost a given number, 20 billion rand. Wow. I don't know how much, but it's probably not far off that. You know, so then you got all the rand weakness. Well, let's call it the Zuma years. Lots of guys went overseas during the Zuma years. 
to get non-rand earnings. So that's Woolworths, you know, the medical companies, Gourmet Kitchen Burger, you know, they all came, all weren't successful, to be honest. Wayne, we'll have to leave it there, but thanks very much for your insight on a very quiet day on the JSC, a very quiet month on the JSC so far, but really fascinating stuff. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment based in Johannesburg. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za.